Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Point of Insanity Game Studios' Geekery in General podcast. I am Al, and today's episode is going to be a bit short, more or less just kind of an off-the-cuff, impromptu episode. I had planned to do the episode on Paladins this week. Unfortunately, had a medical emergency in the family, so was not able to uh, get that episode recorded. So instead, we're going to get kind of nostalgic today and going to be talking about the topic of getting in the mood for gaming and specifically going to talk quite a bit about music. Now, those of you visiting the channel, you know that my friends Chad and Lou, they're doing their musically challenged where they're talking about various music type topics and I figured I'd beat them to the punch on this one. I don't know if they were planning on doing an episode about gamer music in the future. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Who knows? If you guys weren't planning on it and if you listen to this episode, maybe you guys might be thinking, hey, you know, that's actually kind of a good idea. Let's do an episode on gamer music. But I can say I beat you guys to the punch. So there. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, uh, another person I'm going to be mentioning in this, uh, those of you who've been listening to my podcast for a while, you all know my friend Dan from the Radio Free Borderlands podcast. I usually bring him up about every two or three episodes because we're good friends and we've been friends since around middle school, high school, around that time period in our lives. And we actually did you know, quite a bit of gaming not only back in the high school years, but we also did uh, some gaming together in college and have continued to game together well after college. And he has talked about some of the topics I'm going to discuss tonight too. So go check out uh, his podcast, Radio Free Borderlands. If you poke through his episodes, I know he did one. He talked about Led Zeppelin and some of the ways that Led Zeppelin influenced him when he was a young gamer. So, on to the topic of getting in the mood for gaming. And now, of course, there's a lot of ways you can get in the mood for gaming. And, you know, since I've been gaming regularly since about middle school, I've been in a lot of different gaming groups. And it was very rare for us to... Say, let's say that we decided, okay, we're going to meet at my house at 2 p.m. on Saturday for our gaming session. It was very rare for us to have everyone there at 2 o'clock and then crack open the books, take out the dice, the character sheets, and start gaming. You know, there was usually the one person who would arrive an hour before everyone else, and sometimes you'd have a maybe one of my friends couldn't get a ride from his parents until later or something came up and, you know, they weren't arriving until about, you know, an hour or two after we started. So, or at least how, what time we wanted to start. And I'm sure any longtime gamers out there, you know what I'm talking about. We, (laughs) let's face it, we've all had friends we've gamed with who were either incredibly early or incredibly late, one of the two. So in the different gaming groups I've been in over the years, there have been a lot of different ways we would try to get in the mood for gaming. And sometimes we might play board games, but probably most of the time 
we would either play video games or we would listen to music. And one of my groups that I gamed with in my mid to late high school years, we usually started out by, you know, playing some video games and they, we gamed in their basement, you know, and that's another thing that really can kind of get you in the mood for gaming is really where you're gaming. And again, through much of my high school years, we usually gamed in the basement. And I know Dan and I, we've talked about this on an episode on, on his podcast many, many months ago. And we were discussing the topic of why the basement was such a great place for gaming. And one of the things I would brought, I brought up is it was kind of our sanctuary. You know, it was our, I, I hate to say this because I know there's certain political feelings people have about it, but it was our safe space. You know, it's where we could be the role playing, video game playing, heavy metal, head banging, nerd geek types we were without any fear of people laughing at us. And, you know, that that's what I mean when I say it was like our safe space or our sanctuary. And usually we gamed in the basement at my house, which, you know, we had the old 60s, 70s style wood paneling on the walls. And my dad had a, you know, a bar down there. Uh, there was a musty old refrigerator that I don't think ever worked as, as far back as I can remember. And it was, like I said, it was our, our sanctuary. That's, and the, one of the reasons it was so important for us for gaming is because, well, that was where I kept most of my gaming stuff. So a, as a result, uh, a lot of my older books that I've had since then, you know, they have kind of that you know, that musty basement smell to them, which I don't know, it gives a certain, it gives a book character. That's, that's all I can say. It's kind of like that, you know, that book was sitting in a, you know, a dank, musty old dungeon somewhere guarded by my, my vicious cats just waiting for us to get past it. And so we could reclaim that book. So, you know, not only was it where we kept my gaming stuff, you know, my miniatures, my books, my dice, but usually that's also where we kept my video game systems hooked up. And that's because if you weren't lucky enough to have a TV in your bedroom, you know, you, you couldn't always hook up your video games to the TV in like the living room or family room because, you know, that's one of the problems, of course, is if mom and dad or your brothers or sisters want to watch TV... Well, you know, it's, you, they kick you off the video games because let's face it, it's mom and dad's house. If they want to watch, uh, you know, they want to watch TV, they don't care that I'm now at the last boss in Final Fantasy or in Legend of Zelda or in Super Mario Brothers. You know, they don't care that I'm trying to save the world from Bowser or Ganon or, or Chaos or any evil creature. All they know is that it's time for the six o'clock news. Dang it. And they want to watch the six o'clock news. So usually I kept my video games uh, hooked up in the basement. And, you know, so that's a lot of my friends. They, they had it the same way where, you know, they had their, their Nintendo or their Sega Genesis or their, their, uh, Super Nintendo, whatever they had, it was usually hooked up in the basement. And that's another reason I think they put it down there so that way we wouldn't get all loud and, and disruptive if we were in the living room or the 
you know, at the the dinner table. Like I said, that's that's what I mean when I say the, the basement was our sanctuary, our our sanctum of Dungeons and Dragons. And another thing we would sometimes do if we weren't playing video games, you know, we would usually just hang out and listen to tunes. And with Dan and I and uh, some of our other friends back then, there were some tapes we would usually listen to in order to get ourselves in the mood for gaming. And, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be an episode on maybe some new music you might want to check out or maybe some, you know, just music that you might want to listen to if you're getting ready to game. Uh, Maybe even might help you if you are maybe looking for ideas for your next campaign. You know, let's face it, all Dungeon Masters have their, I, I don't know if you want to call it writer's block or game master's block, where you're not exactly sure what you want to do for the next episode or next uh, session of your campaign. So sometimes music can be a, a good motivator. Maybe you, you know, if you're listening to highly imaginative music with descriptive lyrics that tell stories, who knows, maybe that's going to take you somewhere. And I, I'd have to say one of the early groups that I would listen to, and Dan, we would, I know he would listen to them as well, Led Zeppelin. And they always made perfect D&D gaming music because, you know, they were at their the height of their popularity back in the 70s. And of course, not only was, was Led Zeppelin so popular during the 70s, but this was also when role-playing games were in its their infancy, when we started to see, you know, that's when Dungeons & Dragons uh, was released. And then, you know, of course, other early games were released then as well. I can't name any off the top of my head, but of course we know Dungeons and Dragons was, well, that's when it had its, uh, its genesis and its, its early childhood, I guess you could say. And like many people, if there's one album that really just, that just did it for me. And when I would listen to this album, you know, it just, it just conjured these images of, you know, of, of fantasy and heroes and epicness and Led Zeppelin four. There's two tracks and I'm sure a lot of people are going to agree with me on this. And that's, of course, first was Stairway to Heaven. And, you know, because it's just one of those songs that I guess you can listen to it and you can kind of come to your own interpretation as to what the song is about, but you've got all these mythical mystical lyrics and you know how it starts where it starts all soft and quiet and then slowly builds and becomes stronger and stronger and you know more powerful and then it ends on that quiet note again and you know the other track right before it battle of evermore now at the time when i was first discovering led zeppelin back around sixth grade i want to say i didn't know really the the supposed interpretation of the Battle of Evermore. Supposedly, it's based off of the one of the big battles in the uh, the Return of the King. But back then, I mean, I just remember hearing all these you know lyrics about you know magic and you know dragons, you know the dragon of darkness and 
you know, all these other just mystical lyrics. And that really captured my imagination and really hit a note for me, even though I wasn't quite sure what that song was supposed to be about. Now, the other Led Zeppelin album that I really had, and I remember listening to this occasionally to uh, Led Zeppelin 2, because uh, of course, Ramble On, that's probably one of my favorite songs at all. You know, that's one of my favorite songs off of that album. Another band that I listened to quite a bit back then, Iron Maiden. And again, one of the great bands of the the 80s. And it's good to see they're still going. I mean, I haven't I haven't gotten into their last few albums. I mean, after I don't know, after Virtual 11, Iron Maiden it just they I they haven't resonated with me as much as some of their early stuff did. And I mean, I liked the stuff with Paul Viano, but I, I mean, really their first run with Bruce Dickinson. And I'd have to say for me, my favorite time frame of Iron Maiden is probably from Peace of Mind to Seven Son of a Seven Son. So for me, those are the glory years of, of Iron Maiden. And the, just some of my favorite songs from uh, that particular band came from that time in the the band's history. And one of the songs that always just really did it for me was Revelations. That is one of those songs that just really hit me there. And, you know, again, because it was, you had these mythological inspired lyrics about, you know, the eyes of the Nile and, you know, the watcher in the rain. And, you know, those are just, you know, you just listen to those lyrics and you could kind of picture that as describing something that could very easily fit into a fantasy campaign. Still Life is another one of my favorite songs on the album. And for that one, I could see that working really well if you're looking for inspiration for like a, a Call of Cthulhu campaign or just a horror campaign where sanity plays a different role because when I listen to that song, I just kind of picture someone slowly descending into the depths of insanity. And, you know, maybe he's got this person who he's confiding in. And, you know, near the end of the song, it talks about like, you know, not just me, they want you too. So you can kind of picture uh, that being really good inspiration for a, a Call of Cthulhu type campaign. To Tame a Land is another really good song off of that album. And now I know it's about, you know, Dune and the, the Frank Herbert books, but uh, back then I didn't really know much about it. I mean, I've heard of Dune, but I really wasn't familiar with the actual story behind it because I hadn't seen the, the movie by then. But even if you don't really know much about the Dune series, when, you know, the end of the song where it's talking about how, you know, the time has come to lay claim his crown, you know, when it goes into that part, you know, there's just that really pounding bass line by uh, Steve Harris that I always just love listening to. And, um, you know, and again, you could kind of picture this as an, a song describing some sort of epic prophesized hero, something that hopefully the uh, players in your gaming group can be, you know, described as these prophesized epic heroes. But of course, we know that's not always the case. Uh, there is this one meme I've seen on uh, Facebook 
it had a picture of Ray and Finn from uh, from Star Wars Episode Seven, and you know Ray's got her staff and she's looking all tough, and then you know Finn's got his gun and he's ready, and it's like how most adventurers enter the dungeon, and then it has a picture of them running away with an explosion in the background, and it's like how most players leave the dungeon. You know, and it, it also reminds me of that other meme. It says how most D and D parties start, and it shows a a still image of the Fellowship of the Ring from you know that movie, and then it's like how most adventuring parties end, and it has the the famous picture from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they're you know they're looking up in the sky with terror because you know the the, the I was I think like their Trojan horse or whatever is being launched back at them, and of course King Arthur's like run away. Another artist that really inspired me back then was Fate's Warning. And they're another one of those bands that I like their old stuff. I mean, I love their first three albums. You know, Night on Brocken, Spectre Within, Awaken the Guardian. After that, though, I'd have to say I'm not really much of a fan of the, of the band after Ray, all, Ray Adler took the helm. And I think it's just because for me anyway, they became less heavy after that. But if you want to check out a band that really has lyrics that just drip of mysticism and mythology, definitely check out the Spectre Within album and the Awakened Guardian. And one of the reasons that I think this album really hit it for me and why those two albums really were you know inspirational for me when I was thinking of games and my and what to do in my game sessions is now the the singer at that time John Arch you know I like him he's a good singer but sometimes his I don't know if you'd call it his enunciation wasn't quite there so sometimes it was really kind of hard to understand exactly what he was saying and of course Chad and Lou on uh, their first episode of Musically Challenged did an entire episode on misheard lyrics. And if I was in on that episode, I definitely could have said a thing or two about uh, Fate's Warning and some of those, uh, you know, some of the songs from those early albums where, you know, it's like, it's kind of like you, you listen to a song and you come up with your own interpretation of it. And then you read the lyrics and it's like, Whoa, wait a second. The song's nothing about, nothing like that. And I'd, I'd have to say one song that, you know, turned out to be about nothing that I expected was on Spectre Within. They have this song called Pirates of the Underground. And at first I thought it was a song about real pirates, but it's actually not like that. It's more, it talks more about the criticisms or the false criticisms rather that people had of heavy metal like there's this one line in the song that goes preacher man spins backwards secret messages tell me what are you looking for something your subconscious can uh, surmise and so it's talking about how you know back in the early 80s you had televangelists and other religious leaders who were against heavy metal they would claim that if you played an album backwards you would hear you know, secret messages about the devil. And, you know, of course, going back to Led Zeppelin, 
I know Stairway to Heaven is one of those songs that people, you know, say you spin the record backwards and, you know, there's some message about my sweet Satan and, uh, but yeah, it's, so that's what that song was really about. And another one I thought, well, turned out to be about something totally different than what I expected is called Valley of the Dolls from the uh, album Awaken the Guardian. And the, that song, I, I, again, I didn't, I thought it was some sort of fantasy song, but it actually turned out about uh, making fun of a lot of the glam metal uh, artists at that time. Like there was some, you know, lyrics like painting plastic faces, stealing mommy's makeup. And there's another one about wailing ghost guitars and sending the clowns where they were criticizing how a lot of the mainstream glam metal at that time, it became more of a parody or over the top and it was drifting away from what they thought heavy metal should be. And I know Chad and I have talked about a little bit about this uh, Twisted Sister where, you know, again, don't get me wrong. I really respect D. Snyder and I think he's a cool guy. And I do like some of their songs, but Chad always felt that Twisted Sister was really kind of a parody of metal where they were parodying what, I don't know if it was what people thought they were supposed to be, but anyways, there's, there's two songs on Awaken the Guardian that I always loved listening to and always made me think of things to do in my campaigns. First was the title track, Guardian, and then there was the last song on the album, Exodus, where they kind of complement each other perfectly. Because Guardian, it's it well when you listen to it, it's like it tells the story of someone who is taking up this great spiritual epic quest where he's going to protect someone and you know he's going to be your guardian. But then in the last song, Exodus, you know it kind of leaves it like you know this this guardian has been on this great epic quest and he actually failed what he was supposed to do at least. That was my interpretation of it. Another album that really inspired me back then was Heavy Metal, Music from the Motion Picture. Now, some of the older listeners, you might remember Heavy Metal as being the an adult uh, comic magazine. Well, back in the early 80s, they released a movie called Heavy Metal. Now, the underlying story behind Heavy Metal is it's a series of stories that are all bound together by this glowing green orb called the Lochnar. And it's like this embodiment, this source of all evil. And in the start of the movie, it's, you know, it's uh, threatening this little girl and it's like telling her all these stories about the, the evil and the injustice and the, the bad things it's done. And there is no small amount of nudity in the movie, so it's not exactly the kind of movie that you want to watch um, around the kids. But even if you see the censored version of it, and this is one of the reasons that I like that movie so much, without the extreme violence, the sex, and the nudity, the story still stands. So you can watch a censored version on cable TV if you happen to come across it and you can still enjoy it. So the the censorship really didn't detract from the story. But 
the music from that that film, you know, the uh, the songs that they had on the soundtrack, well, not the you know the the composed soundtrack, but rather the you know some of the music they used. They had stuff by like Sammy Hagar and Black Sabbath and uh, Blue Oyster Cult. So you had a lot of really good late seventy, early eighties music on there, and there's several tracks that really stand out for me. Probably the one that stands out most is Veteran of the Psychic Wars by Blue Oyster Cult. And that song is just awesome because it, you know, again, it does give you this impression of this, you know, hero that, you know, has been through all these different wars. And the song itself uh, was actually co-written by Michael Moorcock. And from what I understand, the the song is supposed to be referring to one of the characters, and I think it was one of Moorcock's stories, uh, the eternal champion who goes through these, you know, this cycle of, you know, fighting against evil and chaos, and then he gets, you know, a period of rest, and then he has to go do it again under a different circumstance. So, and one of my favorite lines from that one is, it's like, uh, you know, you're seeing now a veteran of a thousand psychic wars. My energy spent at last and my armor is destroyed. I have used up all my weapons. And I think the next verse goes, and helpless and derived. Um, until I hear you say that this is victory, something like that. So again, you get this, this story of this, this weary warrior that has to keep fighting, you know, these constant battles. The Mob Rules, not exactly my favorite song on the album, but I still do enjoy it because for me, that that song always brings up the image of when the, you know, in the last story, uh, the Loch Nars corrupted this large group of people that are just going around causing random acts of death and violence. And they're attacking the city where you've got a group of elders who are trying to, um, they're trying to, uh, summon the warrior. I think Tarna was her name, but so they play that song when they're storming the, when they're storming this, uh, the city, uh, crazy by Nazareth. That's another song I really enjoy on that one. Uh, true companion by Donald Fagan, kind of this, you know, jazzy type piece. Um, blue lamp by Stevie Nicks. Shut up, don't judge me. But <laughs> so like I said, there's just a lot of really good music on that in that movie and on that album. Now, if I have to choose a more recent band that has influenced or at least given me some ideas for what I want to do in an upcoming campaign, I started listening to a group called Abney Park, and they're part of a, a genre steampunk where a lot of their music, it is designed to invoke Victorian themes. If you wanted to get an idea of what steampunk is, it's inspired by Victorian age science fiction. So in steampunk, usually we've got stories about alternate history where uh, usually steam technology has really come to the forefront where you can imagine like well, like in Final Fantasy, a lot of the early Final Fantasy games, you got the airship. So you could imagine something like that being in a steampunk setting. 
So, and there's, uh, of course, people who like to do steampunk cosplay. Usually with steampunk, you're dressed in clothing inspired by Victorian England. Uh, usually you've got a set of goggles, a top hat, and, you know, you're wearing stuff that has gears all over it. So that's a probably very simplified uh, definition of what steampunk is. But I, I was listening to one of their albums, End of Days, and it's... It gives you the impression it's like a post-apocalyptic setting. So that's something that I could, that I actually has given me several ideas for, uh, what I might want to do in an upcoming campaign when I actually DM again. So, well, I think I'm going to draw this episode to a close. I do apologize. I was a bit rambling in this episode, but I hope somewhere in my random thought patterns, you found a, a nugget of inspiration. So, Hopefully you'll check out some of these bands, and if if you haven't already, and uh, who knows, maybe listening to some of their music will give you some ideas for your next game session or next campaign. So with that said, thank you for tuning in. Have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy games.